House of Haller presents Tales of the House of Haller. DT's West End Tickler, read by Chris Courtney. Diner's Diner. Some might consider it callous and cruel to conjure up memories of lascivious feasting at this time of relative undereating. But I feel it's only fair to raise a gravy-tined fork aloft in salute of those long-forgotten eateries that produced the fuel that powered the legginged calves and rada jaws of London's West End in the breakthrough years. When we opened Cats in 81, the underground didn't stop at Covent Garden on a Saturday. You had to walk from Leicester Square or Hoban because there was simply nothing there worth travelling to. One solitary restaurant in Long Acre called Tango cited my personal best for occupying a table for four with a glass of tap water. Two hours, 30 minutes. And where on one memorable occasion, the most mount view of the waiters declaimed to a diner, of course, none of us are in the catering business. We're all actors, dancers, singers. And then he pointed to a waitress serving a corner table. She's the only real waitress in the company. Between shows on a Saturday, the treat was the greasy spoon opposite Drury Lane. The healthier option a little later was Food for Thought or Silvers, where the young Italian couple grew middle-aged together over endless trays of lasagna. And Gabby's, unofficial home of the Israeli underworld in exile, or Honey and Ginger Chicken, upstairs in the Marquis of Anglesey, official HQ of Theatre Orchestra Fixers. Evergreens, opposite the New London, and Neil, the Scots chef, who I later followed to LIFS. And, of course, PJ's is worth at least three volumes, all of its own. But, if you are feeling ever so slightly peckish, or for some reason you are bombarded by unbidden images of jaw-flexing, tongue-hanging, tummy-rumbling grub-lust, on no account listen on because I'm about to invoke the most powerful deities in West End gastronomy. By the incantation of the two sacred words, I summon up visions of portions beyond the scope of almost any stomach known to man, and very few boa constrictors. Diner's Diner. Diana, or Diner, was a very substantial presence, both physically and in personality. Bernard... Her husband masterminded the cooking, and their two daughters filled the place with laughter. Their premises lacked scale and sophistication, never show posters. But to describe the deco is like eulogising the undersole of a supermodel. Because it was the nosh that led us by the nose to Endell Street, after hunger pains had projected us from the unsprung mattresses and back-breaking couches of our bedsits and flat shares. However... There are simply no words to capture the sensory overload occasioned by a plate of diner's bubble and squeak, encircled by a dozen rashes of streaky bacon and three or four fried eggs. Her pies, legend had it, were the inspiration of Doctor Who's TARDIS, because they seemed so much bigger on the inside once you'd set to it with knife and fork, and the innocent belief that you were hungry enough to eat a horse. Now... There are many contributory factors to the success of the British musical 
in the golden era of the 80s. And I would never want to detract from that great outpouring of talent and sheer bloody perseverance that produced, performed, and, crucially, maintained the shows to such high standards that some of them will still be packing them in for decades to come. But back in those dark days before food porn and microwaves, few of us had either the time or inclination, or let's face it, real cookers, to cook for ourselves. So, without the selfless industry and self-taught artistry of the West End catering community, there would have not only been no golden age of West End musicals, we might well have starved to death.